It's Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text. You better answer me back. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the washing machine queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me. It's Glenn at Bedside Brat. Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Welcome, welcome to Black Girls Texting. Tea is steadily spilled in our group chat, and each week we let you in on it. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the Washing Machine Queen. I'm Glenn at Bedstuy Brat, and I'm Shade at Black Girls Texting. And we're coming with you, coming to you with another special bonus series episode, uh, all about BET's original show Twenties. It airs every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. Yes, and this is episode five. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Yes. And we're so excited to have a special guest joining us for this episode, Derica Cole Washington, who was the costume designer on uh, on 20s. So she's going to dig into this episode with us and also talk about her work on the series. Um, Just a little bit more about Derica. She's a costume designer. Her work represents a distinct perspective and visual voice for presenting narrative and character. Her approach to design is focused on visual storytelling and composing the dressed body on screen. And she's brought her styling to numerous projects across TV and film, including Netflix's Insatiable, the upcoming film Zola, which I'm so excited to see. That's about to be crazy. We might have to talk to you again when that comes out. And of course, 20s. Welcome, Derica. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Um, So we always kick off our episodes with an on read or reply which is our segment that's sort of just like testing whether you're here for something or if you're not here for it so if you're here for it you would oh, I'm sorry if you're not here for it you're gonna leave it on red if you are here for it you're gonna reply got okay. it okay all right Shada, you wanna all right so gonna kick it off it always relates back to the show so again make sure y'all are tuning in so this all makes sense um number one masturbation we are all home and inside for corona (laughs) you may be with a significant other you may not even if you are it might be something you might want to reply to so i want to know ladies what are we thinking i'm always replying Shade and I are quarantined together, and I just had to go into my room and shut the door and just (laughs) pray she can't hear me. (laughs) Wait, seriously? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm taking a nap. (laughs) I'm on reply with that. I with my friend in the living room, but I'm replying, too. (laughs) Are you sure about that, Josie? Oh, 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 Yes. I've never done that with you in the living room, weirdo. Anyways, I'm sorry, Derricka. What were you saying? I'm replying. The great thing about like living alone during this whole thing is like, you know, you you wake up, you meditate, you masturbate. It's a new way of life. I honestly think that people <laughs> just need to embrace it. Yes, agreed, agreed. So we're referencing um, the opening of the episode where there's literally an earthquake and everybody's getting it in. But our girl Nia, who's talking to an old boy with no phone, you know, she can't really be getting the buns on call. So she had to, she had to work take matters herself. into her own hands. Except her shit died. Which is, that is the worst. Word to the wise, get you a charger with a long cord. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Stretch. 
I literally pro use tip, mine as tip. it's still plugged in. So and do I was I like, am I going to get electrocuted? <laughs> I think the same thing, dead ass. But I think it okay. gives you more power. I'm definitely <laughs> copying the Hitachi. Like, I just need to stop playing myself. <laughs> Is the Hitachi the same thing as the magic wand? Yes, I think okay. so. That's the, the thing that's wand. masquerading as a back massager. Yep, I actually used it as a back massager the other day. My work is back hurt. Um, but yeah. Two for one. Multi-purpose. All right. Um, moving on to the next one. Open relationships slash situationships. I guess just like vague, no title. Great relations. Area nonsense. That is on red for me. I do not like being in no limbo ass situation. I'm sorry, but that's I thought where that's you always you are. Yeah. I don't love it. It just happens. I don't prefer it. I think you can put terms on something that's not like a monogamous relationship, but I like to have some kind of understanding of like what we're doing here. Mm, okay, that makes but sense. But that's not what you do. I'm confused. I don't think that's true. I think I want I typically want people to help me understand but they don't be giving me clarity okay so then what are you in right now i'm not in nothing or i'm in a friends with benefits that's it all right i digress um i don't like it but i am very bad at communicating my wants and needs so i always end up in it and Mm. yep Talking about is it. what it is. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fret. Like no capping over here. Mm. You over here, like um. I'm not yeah. capping. No, I just uh. And I'm, I'm like. I'm not capping. <laughs> I'm not capping. I'm not capping. Um, Derica, what do you think? I'm gonna leave that on unread because I'm just not here for the ambiguity. Like, I just feel like there has to be some some reasoning behind actions not to say like and it's fine if it isn't but just say hey i'm not sure Mm -hmm. there has to be communication are you like a good communicator you think i think i'm pretty good at communicating but i think that i tend to fall for people who are not that's what i'm saying Mm. Mm -hmm. i mean i'm probably not a great communicator either but (laughs) yeah i'm also leaving that on red yeah we're not doing that shit no more. Okay, the next one. Quote, unquote, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Those are very hot tops, hot buzzwords these days. I mean, I'm replying if it's genuine. I don't know. Or I'm replying because it allows people to get into the room. But like, once you get there, are you really like... Given a, a like, given a chance to really use your voice, or are you being used as like a face? So yeah. that's like a tricky one. It's on red for me. In all of my experiences with diversity and inclusion, it's like they have a black person that might as well be a white person painted brown. Like you're not really Ooh. allowed to be your full self. You're just there as a black person, but you're not really a black person. I don't know. What can you expand? Yeah, what does that mean? Like, like they'll hire a black person, but you're still expected to conform to whatever corporate culture exists. And I'm saying that's my experience in the, you know, three corporate experiences I've had. 
Okay, I mean, I get that. I think that's why it's, like, really sticky. And even we see in this episode that Marie's boss is just trying to pull any brown person in the office into the room. Exactly. Like, like <laughs> some guy from the mail room is going to go to a writer's meeting. Like, you just need someone in the room. It's not real. It's not genuine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Um... Uh... I mean, I don't know. I think that ultimately, if you are trying to make impact and change in whatever field you're in and the diversity and inclusion is fugazi, then yeah, like leave it on red. But like if you're if it's whatever and like you're getting yours and you're advancing Mm -hmm. and it's gucci then like reply and like do you i I mean it's that's hard to say i feel like a lot of fields like what you have to genuinely say as a person of color is important but if you need to play the game play the game and yeah what do you think derica i'm here for taking up space i'm here for not just being in the room, but having something to contribute and someone actually recognizing that I have something to give to to whatever prospects that are needed. I do think that at times people think, and, and diversity isn't just a person of color, it's also a woman. And I think a lot of times like a black woman, it's it's, I don't wanna always be in a space where I'm expected to be. So I'm here for, just kind of appearing um, in a place that I'm not expected and actually having something to really sink into these other people who don't look like me. So it it really just depends on the scenario, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I just think D&I is now used in a very frivolous way. Yeah, when things become like buzzwords like that, they do become, they take on, they don't mean what they purport to mean I feel like like diversity inclusion now for me makes me think about meetings about anti-bias and like fucking random ass click through tutorial shit on your computer literally like put it on mute click it through I've seen white men do it at my job exactly so it's just it's not it's like funny to me now yes yeah Mm. all right so this last one um it's funny. So last night I was on the gram and, you know, everybody's at home and um, your fellow costume designer, Sistrin, Shiona, was posting about um, passion versus stability, which I thought was interesting. And then in watching the episode that comes up between Marie and Hattie when they're conversing about like how Marie seems kind of bored. So it's not quite a read or reply but i want to know in a relationship like do you guys think passion's more important or stability is more important and i know the two are not mutually exclusive but i'm asking you to pick uh-huh you're asking us to pick between yeah you're asking us two? to pick i feel like they're both so important uh, i know that's why it's a hard question and well you answer first then Oh, oh yeah. yeah, no, no, no problems. Passion. I'm here for passion at all times because for me, I value that the most, I think, when I think about relationships, like chemistry and just like that, oomph, that 
je ne sais quoi is so, so, so important to me. It makes me excited. Like, it makes me want to see a person. It makes me wet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going with passion all day. You know what's so funny? I think that when I hear passion in this context, I started to have fucking, it like triggered me. When I hear passion, I'm like, oh Lord, that's drama. I don't even think about passion. Like, mm-hmm. I think of it like being sexy and positive, but also coming with a downside. Like, I feel like that is, that's what this passion versus stability is kind of like alluding to as well. So I don't really want all the tumultuous stuff. But it's so funny because when I hear stability, it sounds like boring. But it doesn't have to be boring either. Lord, Lord, if I'm going to think about passion as not, can passion, passion can exist without it being dramatic. Yeah. If, if we're looking at passion as not being also drama filled, I'm going passion. Okay, but I when I think of stability, <laughs> I think of like trust and like honesty. And I think for me, that's the most important thing. Like, I want to be with someone that I can trust and like knows, like I know that they love me and I know that they won't like shit on me. Mm. I mean, you make a fair point there. Fuck, this is really hard. Like passion to me, I'm thinking of like Stevie J and Jocelyn. Like, oh, oh they're so passionate. They're like no. licking each other in the club. That's toxic. And it's That's so toxic. Sexy. But yeah, he has other bitches on the side. She's doing God knows what. Like, there's no stabi- stability. It's always up and down. It's a roller coaster. Like at this point in my life, I don't want that. That's fair. You want something that you can rely on. You know that they're there. Yeah, but not in a boring way. So (laughs) this is tough. This is hard. I think I'm I'm more about just consistency. Like, so it's to me, consistency might sound like stability. But for me, consistency, if you are passionate about something and you just keep at it, then it's consistent. You know, I think for me, it's about just going at a pace and kind of going in that range, knowing who you are, knowing what you want. It's it's less of a passion and more of that's just your way of life. That that's who you are. It's genuine. You're not driven by, you know, emotion so much as it is just that's just who you are. So that's mm. kind of like where I am. Yeah. yeah, shit can get really messy when you start getting driven by emotion. Like it can get hot and it can get hostile. Tina once said, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> I was like, Tina, no. I was about to say Tina. Oh, no, let me not, let me not do that. I'm Tina sorry. Knows? Tina Lawson. Tina Lawson. Oh, 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 you're right. You're right. You're right. Put no. some respect on Queen Tina Turner. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, we got we got that. But at first I was like, Tina once. <laughs> I, I, I literally thought the same thing. <laughs> Okay, um, so jumping into the app, as you mentioned, Shade, it opens with some passion. There's an earthquake while everybody is getting it in. And we said you see Nia, you know, giving herself the business because her no phone day is MIA. Marie is finally getting dicked down. Looks like she's having a good time. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and Hattie is doing something sus as hell. Like, she's getting it in, then... 
um, Lorraine FaceTimes her and shows her that she's in the bed with somebody else. Then Hattie shows that she has another girl in her bed. Okay, yeah. So one, how fucking Cali was this whole thing? Like, I feel like since I moved to Cali, I always have a moment when I wake up and everyone's like, did you feel the earthquake? And I'm like, no. (laughs) Like, to this day, no. But did Lorraine show Hattie her in the bed with Without another a girl. girl or yes. a guy? Another girl. It was a girl. A white, a white, a white girl. girl. Oh, whole time I thought that was a white man. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-mm. That was, to me, so... There was just so much pettiness in that whole exchange. And it's just the stuff that they continuously do in all the episodes. And I still have no understanding of what's happening in that relationship. They both Right, I couldn't tell childish. if it was petty or if it was like, that's their relationship. They're like True. open, like they just have sex when they feel like it and that's okay but then the way how Hattie was first trying to hide it and then when she saw it she wanted to show it off then I was exactly but that could also be Hattie's a thousand ten character flaw (laughs) shut up not thousand character flaw but what I'm curious about is like okay now Lorraine is talking about oh do you need money this that and the third and it's like if you're gonna hold her down then like why don't you just have her stay with you like what are y'all doing I know that offering of like, do you want money was just, Definitely I didn't think it was genuine. Play. Yeah, nah. She was playing with her. I totally agree. Um, mm. Yeah, well, then that goes into Hattie and Marie having this whole conversation about the pros and cons of titles versus non-titles. And Marie is saying like, ain't nothing like the real thing, like having like having this understanding that that's your person. And Hattie is like, she just wants to be in these streets, kind of, or just like living free. Yeah. So, Derica, I have a question because I joke that Marie, I'm convinced, is like 39 and she's <laughs> pretending she's in her mid 20s. But when you were kind of thinking through like styling and the looks, like Marie feels like very buttoned up. Um, I'm assuming that was not haphazard that 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 was was like intentional so can you talk to us a little bit about that yeah she's very bunned up so when you see her she's actually in a lot of shirts with buttons like all of her work shirts have either they're all collared or they have some type of detail that's that's usually with some type of fastening and throughout the series we want to show how she's unraveling we start to see that um, as she, mm. as we see these kind of things develop with Chuck and then also just her relationship with, with Hattie and Nia and just the contrast of all of them. But yeah, with her, it, she's a lot more subdued, just very opposite, really. It, it, we kept joking throughout the show. I was like, how is she even friends with Hattie? Because like, we never really got down to, <laughs> well, why is she even taking her in versus Nia? I mean, we knew that Nia didn't want to be on Marie's bad side. But I was like, you know, we find out that Nia lives alone. She could have, you know, hosted her. Oh, fat. But just um, yeah. also just the fact that like, there is the stability that Hattie ultimately wants that she sees in the relationship with Marie and Chuck. They are almost like Mm, parental figures in a sense. They have a house. She can feel safe. She knows that she doesn't have to worry about really much, that they're taking care of things. She's taking up space in their living room. So just thinking about um, her overall, like, kind of costume choices, she's a lot more 
maternal and giving and in her workplace, which is much more business oriented than let's say Mia working um, you know, at her yoga studio, mm-hmm. where it's a much more relaxed environment. You, you just see kind of all these different kind of junctures of life that all of these women in their 20s are in. I think that in a sense, we all have had that friend that was just way more adult than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And that's like Marie. She's just that friend that's like, man, you really got it together. And you feel mm-hmm. like not comfortable, not even like it's, it's just a level of like. If I needed something, I know who to go to or I know right. who to ask advice from. So but just, I like that's that kind of reflected in how she kind of carries herself. Yeah, I like that you said that you guys start to show her unraveling because something we noticed from the first episode is that Marie like seemingly has it all together. And there's this one scene in the pilot episode where they're like buying Hattie clothes. I don't know if it was a pilot or the second, but they're buying Hattie clothes and they're in the dressing room and she takes a minute and she's like staring Mm. at herself in the mirror. And something that I find when she speaks is it's almost as though she has to convince herself of these things that are supposed to be so like buttoned up and perfect. Like even in that conversation, she's like, well, my man chose me and it's like. Do you believe that? Where are you getting this from? Yeah. yeah. I think she does believe it, though. I think, uh, Derica, you said that she's kind of the friend that's always there for, you know, the two of them. I think they, again, I think Patty has some, a lot of character flaws as a person. But I feel like Marie's always there for people and no one is really there for her. Even when she's going through her, you know, ch- her insecurity, thinking that her man might be bisexual, she kind of is in, very introspective about it and is looking online by herself. Mm, it's mm-hmm. not like she calls her girls because would they even support her or would Caddy crack a joke? Like, mm, or she, ha- or does she have secret shame? Or, or do, I mean, are I think, her friends not there for her? <laughs> uh, I don't know. And I, and we're gonna talk more about this, but I think that I would like get, I, you know, I think a lot of people would look that up first or try to sit with that first before like running to their friends. Personally. Yeah, but then, like, I would think that you'd be able to, like, turn to your friends. And, I don't know, it seems like Hattie's so critical of others, like, especially Marie. Like, I think it was a scene in the car where they're, where she's like, your relationship's boring or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, it just... Marie is, like, the most critical. Hold on. But uh, she's also sh- helpful. Yes. If it wasn't for Marie, Hattie wouldn't have a job. Yes. Derica, do you think that, that Hattie is trash? Because Chelsea thinks Hattie is trash. I don't think she's trash. I think she has some character flaws. <laughs> I do not think she's trash. I think that she just is so... Like, I don't think that she has people around her who are similar to her. And I think that's purposeful. I think if she were around people who were similar to her, she would probably do a lot more damage than what she's doing now. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think a lot of times you are attracted to people who are very opposite of you and you form friendship groups with those types of people because you know that you're on some shit. You know that you need to get it together. And so you kind of surround yourself with a circle who are a little bit more grounded than you are. And I think that she's searching for that. Yeah. So she's too, she's making do you the, think, taking the right steps. Derica, do you think that Marie has, can, can turn to her friends for support in the same way that they can turn to her? 
I don't think she really can. I think that she could if she were looking for like more of an adventure, but I don't think on on a real level that she has anyone other than Chuck to really engage with. I think that that's where she's at a crossroads with her life. She's like, well, who do I have? She doesn't have her mother. We've seen that, you know, yeah, in the second episode. So it's just, you know, she's kind of looking at, have I built this, this kind of ivory tower for myself and now I don't have anywhere to turn mm -hmm. kind of space. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not a, a negative space to be in, but it's a space of like, where, where is my joy? Mm -hmm. And she's looking for that. I think we're starting to see in this episode, especially with it being related to love, that everybody's having challenges. Everything is not what it seems. Grass is not greener, all the above. And it's really dope how it was done and that you have very different types of relationships all being shown. Um, but I wanted to move forward to now we're in Marie's office. I think her boss is so damn fine, but whatever. I digress um, <laughs> because he's pretty racist. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I mean, but Zach he said something some really good. good. Actually, he he really came with some good points. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. He, I, I really liked in because I mean, literally, as she was saying, like, well, that's like asking a woman if she supports women's rights. I was like, not all women support women's rights. Right. So I love that conversation because where they, he says, "Sorry to cut you off, yeah, shut it." But this dude Quantrell is coming to visit their office. This producer, and they've been trying to like court him for a while now and her boss is like we got to make sure you're in the room and her co-worker ben who she's been like sparring with for most of the season is not there so her boss is like damn we need more like pocs in the room because quantrell is really into diversity and, and inclusion and marie is like i mean that's uh, wouldn't he be interested in that like, like that's like saying a woman is interested in is is down for women's rights that's just a, like a you know, a given. And he's, and her boss is like, is it? And he says, how many black people, you know, how many black people in this town could help other black people? And they don't. And I mean, I think that that is really kind of spot on, especially when we think about people thinking that there's only room for a few of us in a space. And there's just like this inherent competition. So he has some points. Yeah. He made great points, but he's still very ignorant. Um, in that Quantrell now comes into the meeting. Mm. It's um, played I think by it's Quintrell, guys. Oh, Quintrell. Quintrell? Oop, my bad. Yes, it is Quintrell. <laughs> Thank you. Oh God, we sound like I was like those... I can't listen to it anymore. I know. I'm like you. we sound like those white people were talking about when he when he merged Sean and the other Shaquan man. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Sean um, and Sean. Yes. So Quintrell is played by Amon Shumper, my okay, fave. Fine as hell. Yes. Former Nick. Shout outs to the Knicks. Anyways, um and you know, we're seeing a little bit of a vibe between Marie and him, which I really like. But I also like that he is showing that, yeah, no, I don't just like boys in the hood and mm. menace to society and the boss is like very confused because he's trying to like box him in and he's trying to talk about merging moonlight and the help and like that didn't make it no was just sense. so tragic and i think this is a good moment for marie to kind of like step in and shine and we also see 
that she got Ben's bitch ass back, which I loved. Yes. But Derek said something earlier about Marie, like searching for joy and mm-hmm. her whole like spirit changed in that meeting. You could see her, there was passion there and you can kind of understand like why she was even a, a, like interested in working in the field that she works in. Like she loves film and stories and they have this whole moment. There's like, there's like a spark in that room. Like we've talked about earlier in the season that, um, Lena has drops like little Easter eggs that reference other films and other like, um, like threads that come up in other like classic black movies. And for some reason, I just had this thought like it was giving me Love Jones the way they're like bantering about different cultural things. And they're like, oh, have you seen Last Black Man in San Francisco? Have you seen that? And they're just having a moment. It's very cute. And I feel like she's about to take him down later in the season. And I'm very excited to see. Oh, I hope she does. I swear, I hope she does. Oh my God, is Marie gonna? Could we see Marie cheating on Chuck? I do. I can. Absolutely. We'll have to wait. We'll, we'll wait. <laughs> she's gonna take that down. I can down. totally see it because I think that she's going to have this moment of, I don't have to be so perfect and mm-hmm. just like go off, go off the edge. She's gonna go for passion because there that was passion. Sure is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like how you tied that back. Yes. So now we have Hattie, like, scrambling as per usual, just, like, stumbling into the Stop office. Stop talking about my girl like that. I mean, I'm not trying to play oh, okay, her. That's okay, just, guess, like, the way she moves, okay. which I just find so interesting. But, <laughs> yeah, she's just kind of, like, blah, and they're like, um, the hey, one. your boss is looking for you. Like, go into her office. <laughs> and um, Ida tells... Hattie that she needs her to um, copy some scripts and go to her home so where we left off in the last episode if y'all recall episode four there was a little bit of sexual tension between the two in the theater with the hands and the touching well when we look back it didn't seem like they were holding hands but the hands were very close Mm -hmm. definitely touched her hand they touched, but there wasn't a grip. Yes, a sure. grip. There wasn't a clasp. There yeah. wasn't an interlacing. <laughs> it wasn't an interlacing of, of the manos. But <laughs> now she's hype as fuck because she has the keys to Ida's crib. And she goes to copy these scripts. And we see that she starts to read a script that Ida wrote from like 1997. And she's really like enthralled in the mm-hmm. script. I'm really curious to see if that's going to come back up because um, Hattie has criticized Ida for some of her work. But I'm thinking this is maybe like a little foreshadowing to a moment of something that's going to come up for her creatively, aside from there just being this like sexual tension. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because there's this tension in the the series about like making work that is like deep and has depth and, and things that are just going to be like salacious or whatever. And she kind of feels like Ida has kind of sold out in some of the ways that she makes some of the work that she makes. So I feel like she's like, oh, damn, like this is actually really deep and introspective what happened to this person, this yeah. writer, you know? It also kind of ties back into the conversation that they'll have later in this episode about success and happiness and how Ida was happier when she wasn't as quote-unquote successful. And maybe that was also a time when she was the most creative and really got to write her mm-hmm. best work. Mm-hmm. And we really start to... Well, okay, we'll get to that. So... I may be fumbling a little bit on the order of like how we get here, but I believe we cut to Nia. Um, early in the episode, she sent um, she sent her man like a email because he doesn't have a phone, and she's tripping now all day 
she goes to this like acting workshop and I, I'm guessing they're doing like an eye gazing exercise and she checks her phone still no email so now she goes home she's like flustered and in her bag and he comes to the door with his little boho vibe toting a little canvas bag <gasps> with greens just hanging all out like he about to cook her a little vegan meal <laughs> and she's tight because she hasn't heard from him all day and she's like i just want to be normal she keeps using this word normal which i think i love that he challenges her on using Mm -hmm. that word like i just want to be like a normal couple and reach out to you i think her concerns are are valid like hey i want to be able to reach out to you after an earthquake but i also really like how he challenges her and i loved the cinematography Mm -hmm. in that scene where they're like zooming in on her face and then zooming in on his face and like you really see like a lot of emotion without any words being said and you can feel again the passion um between them and they just like start making out and i i just i just love that scene. that was such a moment you could see them both like unburdening themselves like they get softer and softer and softer the more they look at each other uh I'm so here for them. They're mad. Cute. Oh my god! And in a way, it's very similar to the scene where they were, like, when she had to gaze into the, in the man's acting eyes class. in the acting yeah, class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow! Look, I feel so proud of myself when I like connect connect dots. the dots. <laughs> um, yeah, and then circling back to being at Ida's house, they have this really interesting conversation that we were just kind of touching on, and she says that. And Ida is telling Hattie that she, when she, she's made it, but she realizes that she was happier when she was struggling. Um, and Shadi, you were watching this interview that Lena Waithe gave, where she was saying something kind of similar. Yeah. So there um, is like a maybe like mini documentary. I don't know. It's a it's on Lena Waithe's page. So go check it out. Where Lena's talking about twenties, and she really goes into how. She came up and how this is really um, an ode to her her journey through her career and that with a lot of this new success, she finds that she's like constantly stressed and she really enjoyed the journey. And Ida tells Hattie to enjoy the journey. And it's really cool to see this dynamic and where there's like sexual tension, but there's like mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, Zerika, I wanted to know how you portrayed Ida's character through styling and costume design does she always wear white i was just about to ask that she does not always wear white i put her in white in the home because the first time we meet her she's in white so i just feel like her home is really that place where she's in her own ivory tower she's in the hills overlooking so this is her place of comfort but also a place that she can also be herself but in the work space She's in a lot more color. You see her office is just a lot of um, pinks and warm tones. And she has a lot of art. You see in her home, she has like a Micheline Thomas. You know, she, she's, she's definitely making up for her, her lack of depth in her actual work with what she collects. So including people like, mm. I would say mm. Hattie is almost like a collection. She's a possession of hers. In mm-hmm. a sense. So with her her like look, she's very strong. I think in the last episode when she took her to the um when she took her to the screening, she's in this gold kind of she's also statuesque. Like Hattie, there's the episode where she's Gorgeous. like, I want these 
trophies. I want these accomplishments. And so in a sense, I dressed her that way because in a sense, they were balancing out each other. Hattie was wearing her Balmain jacket. She was being the, the, the Emmy, I guess, that she mm. wants to have someday. So there were those kind of moments that I wanted to kind of mirror with her, her costume and with her looks. And she was actually really, really amazing to dress. Um, Sophina Brown is incredible. She has an amazing just like figure to just kind of put anything on. She has great hair. Yes. So just yeah, everything hair, just kind oh of gosh. frames and just thinking about who she was. You, you see you see skin, but it, it's revealed. If, if her shoulders are out, her neck is covered. You know, she mm. is a woman that has style, but she also has taste. But her work in and of itself doesn't have as much taste. So it's like there's that contrast of um, who she's projecting herself to be and and the money that she's been able to make off of that. You know, she knows that it sells. She knows that there's an audience. It might not be for everybody, but she knows that she can sell it. That's why she's able to live in that home. And Hattie's like just frolicking in it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an interesting kind of dynamic that I have between the two of them um, because she is someone that Hattie wants and desires, but is also kind of like just she she doesn't want that, but doesn't know how you can get that going the way that is your own way. Right. And you see that happening when they have that conversation on the sofa. And it's so interesting because... I had learned about Caviar, that app that they order from through the show because I had no idea. And now I've been ordering for Caviar during this whole COVID. And I was like, oh, my God, I've turned into that bougie one. That's bougie. I was like, like, yeah, they have all the great restaurants. I had no idea what it was. But, yeah, you see, you see, like you said, the mentorship and how she is going to get guided along the way, but you just never know what that path may lead you to. And I feel like a lot of times um, you you look up to the woman who is, you know, years or several steps ahead of you, um, whether it's career or anything else. But I think we are in a space where you do have that black woman, but they have lived in a space where there could only be one. And so it's interesting mm. to see if they are going to usher in space for others. And so I, that's what I think the show does really well is showing mm-hmm. that kind of diversity and inclusion. But again, are we doing that as as black women and as black people to right. our own? Mm. And so I'm curious if y'all thought that, because you didn't mention, Derica, that there you see the mentorship at this in this scene. We've been wondering from the beginning, like what the tone of their relationship was going to be and um i felt like while there was a tone of some sexual tension in this scene it really felt more genuinely like they were connecting with each other and that maybe they could move beyond that i don't know how did y'all interpret the way that they were engaging like do you still think that they're about to smash because that's what we thought last episode yeah i definitely preferred ida in this episode it seemed a lot more like mentorship um, but I still think she thinks Marie is fine. So I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, and Marie, I mean, not Marie, and Hattie. Hattie. Yeah, and Hattie, and Hattie fine, does but... still say like later in the episode that she is feeling her. Right? Is that kind of bad? She says that she makes her happy because um, they're sitting and having oh, yeah. the um, the takeout and 
um, Ida sees that Hattie's phone is getting blown up. And I, the whole time we were watching this, I was like, so comfortable, <laughs> just so comfortable in like the, the conversation and the, this like banter. But I guess that's just where that's that relationship Hattie is, though, too. is she at just now. Yeah. Blowing up in places. I'm just like, which in a way I respect because I feel like if she wasn't open to being that vulnerable and like, Ooh, I would dare say like crossing the line with Ida. She may not be able to get to where I envision her going mm-hmm. without like having the I don't and I don't even think she has balls. I think she just is like so oblivious yeah. to like typical social norms of interacting with your boss (laughs) yeah yeah but But i do think it is her having balls though because i mm. think that ida is used to people doing whatever she wants them to do and not Mm -hmm. having any type of combative nature with her or not having anything else to say and you see that the first time that they even the interview and that's Mm -hmm. why i think that she's attracted to her she's attracted Mm. to maybe how she was when she was younger just kind of like say whatever I didn't really have like I didn't have a filter not because I didn't know any better but because I just didn't feel like I needed to have one so it's partially Mm. I feel like Hattie Mm. being a little just a little socially inept yeah being um you know just oblivious to kind of the dynamic and roles that she should have and her boundaries Mm. I think that she naturally has that problem and that's a natural thing but i think that she does not tend to have that sense of like okay i'm not gonna do this she's gonna go it definitely works in her favor she likes yeah it works for her though because so in this scene now we're able to see her phone's getting blown up and ida's like who's that and she's like oh this chick blah, blah 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 whatever and Ida really gets her to open up as to why she seeks out women who are Mm. emotionally unavailable. And in this moment, not only do we start to understand more about Hattie's like, you know, relationship style and just like kind of understand more about how she feels with dating, but we also see that Ida kind of has this this loneliness that she, you know, she even asks Hattie to stay mm. with her. We can definitely tell, like, she's very lonely. And she keeps being like, am I holding you from someone, mm. blah, blah, blah. And I really enjoyed this moment because we learned that Ida gave up her child when mm-hmm. she was in her 20s for adoption because she didn't feel as though she would be an equipped parent and then starts to say that her stories are her babies. Mm. And then we find out that Hattie also, you know, obviously wants her stories as her babies. But in this moment, Ida's like, oh, you're going to have that. Mm -hmm. And I think that this was like so pivotal for Mm -hmm. her. So in a weird way, like some of this inappropriateness, quote unquote, like obliviousness is, I think, going to help her in the long run. For sure. I agree. Yeah, that was a really profound moment between the two of them. I really, I liked that scene. And then, well, I want to talk the, about their mm-hmm. actual relation, the conversation though, because I feel like it was it was pretty interesting that Hattie admitted to like always choosing people that she can't have, and Ida kind of calling her out on it and saying that it's because she doesn't actually want a relationship. Um, what do you guys think of the conversation? Yeah, I think she was right. I don't think that Hattie wants a relationship either. And I feel like she kind of touched on that in her early conversation with Marie. Um, And it does contextualize some of the moves that Hattie has been making this whole time. Because at first I kind of thought Lorraine was just playing her and she was just doing things like being reactionary to Lorraine. 
But now it's making me think that, like, I mean, that's why she's she messing with Lorraine to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I also yeah. thought it was funny when she was like, well, nobody in L.A. is emotionally available. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you feel like that, Derica? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> dating in L.A., um, I have not had a, I feel like it, it's, it, I don't even know. It's weird because now that we're in quarantine, you would think, everybody's saying, oh, this is a great time to be on the app because you get to know each other. I'm like... I don't know if people actually have much to say. You know, mm. I think that there's not a lot of substance a lot of times. It is the going out, getting drinks, it's a lot of that. But what I think about LA too is like, as opposed to New York is where I used to live. I just moved here in July um, when we started doing the show. And um, I will say that LA definitely tends to kind of project itself as more relationship oriented than New York. But I think the way of coming into that, I'm not sure how to navigate. So I think that that's mm. a similar place that Hattie is in and uh, Nia is in. It's like, well, you know, how, how do I go about this? And you see someone like um, Chuck and Marie who are just, you know, instant relationship i mean we don't know exactly how their relationship came about but you see the the kind of like settledness that they're in mm -hmm. so i think it's 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 definitely um an interesting landscape in la and i think hattie is definitely exploring her options even being in somebody else's house which i think is crazy i think that whole thing is like insane i was like you know she is in somebody else's house how is this happening getting it in <laughs> like just no concern but again i think that i think that chuck and marie admire her freedom as much as they're annoyed and frustrated by it i think that there mm. is something um to it and i wish i had that freedom i wish i i mean I have my own house, and that's not happening here. So, <laughs> what wow, about when yeah. Hattie says that she's like afraid of someone falling out of love with her? And Ida's oh, kind of yeah. like, "Well, hearts are like meant to be broken." Like I thought that was very interesting. Mm. I know. I'm like, what has she experienced in the past that makes her feel like that? Like some kind of abandonment that she's experienced made me think that. I'm, I'm not sure. I feel like there's still more for me to understand about that. But they both said that they've had their hearts broken and, and not even romantically per se, but just in a lot of different ways. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like it's like a part of falling in love is, or finding love is you have to be brave enough to know that your heart might be broken. Mm. Brene Brown. <laughs> I think disappointment is Brown. real. Sorry, say that again? Oh, I was saying, I just think disappointment is real. And I think that has everything to do with how you emotionally place yourself mm -hmm. and however way she's going to feel about that level of abandonment. Because it is, it's about the passion. It's about you wanting something and it may or may not happen yeah and yeah. being able to recover from it which we all can but it, it's really that will in yourself can we jump into hattie's style also because her sneakers are fuego 
but I'm also wondering how she can afford these sneakers. Oh my right. God. So a fresh pair of J's. <laughs> so that was always a question. Like, how was she on someone's couch? How? But you know, she was evicted. She did have a job. I think that. She has had relationships with who's to say Lorraine is not a sugar mama. She did. I mean, all, yeah, like, she does. You know, so you got to remember she got the connect. She might have <laughs> something else going on on the side. So and now that she's essentially, like I said, a prize to Miss Ida, you never know what's going on with how she's getting some of her things. She's also, definitely not a booster. Let's. Let's clear that up. I mean, she's like the type to like eat ramen noodles and buy Jordans. That's yeah, she is standing outside. Well, now you can just be on the apps, but she's definitely about that that life. Yeah. But yes, with with her, I mean, that was so much fun, and just also the bigger thing for me and um, what Lena and I both talked about was making sure that the community was represented. So even when things that she wears, it's by. women of color, other queer women. I wanted to really make sure to include the community in um, a lot of what she wears, aside from just the concert tees, the vintage, but just also even those people, like the artists that we're featuring um, that she's wearing, they have like a special place and you'll see it in a later episode. Um, yeah, there was another, guys. maybe it was the Excited. last episode she had on like, I can't, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, Le Enchantor. Yes, uh, yeah. that was the tie-dye t-shirt, yeah. that was the do-rag, and she wears that kind of throughout. And that's like, I was like, this has to be here. And actually, it was really exciting for me because Lena did not know this this duo based out of Brooklyn. And I was like, oh, you don't know? You oh, don't I'm like, I'm putting you on. Yeah. It's like, she just knew she knew everybody. And I was like, no, 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 you, you okay. And um, th- that was also great because there's a store reparations club here in LA that sells them locally. So that was great oh, nice. that I was able to, um, you know, patronize a, a black owned woman's store and also have it on the show. And it actually makes sense for our character. I'm one of those designers that I don't want to just put something out there because it's not about the designer. It's not about the fashion. It just has to make sense for the character. I don't, I'm not, mm-hmm. this is not, a you know i'm not a stylist and i don't think in the way of like we're trying to publicize someone i just want it to make sense for what we are doing what we are showing so not everything has much to do with who the designer is or who's wearing what but it just needs to make sense for the character and their sensibility and their lifestyle so that's why i think it's always interesting when somebody's like how does this person afford this how <laughs> how could they get that and we know that they work you know at a daycare center or something like that it's like mm. those <laughs> shoes cost this much money how is she getting that so i always put in the back like she she is definitely splurging on her shoes and everything else is kind of coming from like you know, whatever she can get or whatever she knows or she got the friend here and there because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's real life. And I think also with TV, also seeing characters repeat items in their wardrobe is very important to me because we all have Mm -hmm. our favorite things that we, our favorite jeans, our favorite shoes, our favorite bag that we constantly have in rotation. So I think that that makes it feel more relevant than to just always have something brand new and fresh. Listen, I'm the first one to be on a train, saving these Uber coins to go cop some designer something 
Because I'm like, that's my vice. That's your priority. <laughs> that's, how, that's my priority. So I totally feel it. Um, we have I, to talk about the bisexual. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> we, we got to get into this last scene. So like Marie's man calls her in the middle of the day um, earlier in the scene and is like, oh, we should watch porn tonight together. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, whatever. So they get back to the house and he's like, she said, let's it search up. the missionary section. I was like, what yeah, the fuck? I thought he was joking. I think he was right? joking. Okay. I felt like yeah, that I was like so a little. Too, but I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like even. OK, so Glenn has been mm-hmm. questioning his sexual sexuality um from episode one episode one (laughs) i think maybe his mannerisms i don't know that she was like hmm i'm curious to see how this is going to Mm -hmm. to but we're gonna learn about this young man and um even in the way that he was like going about it like okay i'm gonna open up the porn now and like getting the laptop ready and like everything was just like so strange and when he says threesomes literally glenn is screaming it's gonna be two men. It's gonna be two men. And I'm like, girl, calm down. <laughs> Lo and behold, he pulls up the threesome porn and another man. It ends up being two men and a woman. And um, we see, we end on a scene where like the men are pleasuring one another. And Marie is just like fucking shook. Yeah. And um, Chuck is all about it, like very into it. And I, I don't know. It seems like they ended up like getting it in. But yeah. then at the end, she goes out into like the living room and starts Googling like boyfriend gay, po- no, boyfriend watching gay porn gay. I don't know. Bisexual? Something like, yeah, bisexual question mark. And then she ends up having lunch with the girls and they start talking about like, you know, well, sexuality is fluid. This and the third. But Nia's like, oh, no, I don't I don't know if I could do it. And and Hattie makes a really good point. Like, well, why are women allowed to be mm-hmm. bisexual and men are not? Which I think is a really good point. Mm-hmm. And um, we get into that whole like boring thing. But I think it's more exciting to talk about the the, the, bisexual. the bisexuality. Mm-hmm. So what do y'all think about that? Oh, so many levels. I think first thing that I'm thinking about it is we don't know that just because he's interested in watching that porn that he's necessarily bisexual. If he is, then that might be his way of sort of trying to like introduce the conversation by being like, oh, look at what I'm into. Um, I think it's natural that she would like have some questions, I think, considering some of the other things that have happened throughout the season and maybe things that have happened in the past that we aren't, that we don't even know about yet. But, I mean, how would y'all feel if your man put on some bisexual threesome while y'all were about to hook up? Would it make you feel a way? Are we being honest or PC? Be honest. Yeah, I would feel a little strange about it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because it's like, it would be new to you, right? I don't know. I, I've i talked about this on the show before. I like watching, like, gay porn, so I would be turned on, probably. Um, but I would, I would be like, oh, okay, that's what you want to watch. And it'd then be, we would have to probably talk about it. Yeah. Derek. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Derica. Oh, I think, like, 
first off, it was amazing filming the porno scene. Let's just say that. Like, that was something that we were in debate. Like, are we actually going to film a porno? Like, is this what it was written? And oh, I was right, like, are we actually doing do that? Like, <laughs> Marie and that yeah, we had to do it. it. <laughs> the bed, like, it was very, it was a lot. Shout out to Sammy, our production designer. But um, it was it was one of those things where I was like, this is actually fun. But um, no, I would be, I think, I feel like they've been together for a long time. So it's like, I mean, I don't know, long time, meaning maybe three years, let's just say. Like, I think I would know my man's sexual, like, interest in terms of porn or at least that conversation would be brought up so if this were something that like had we had not ever really talked about and then all of a sudden it's just like because it seemed like he had something queued up like he had already reviewed what was going to happen i would probably be like okay so what other things were you reviewing i just want to know mm-hmm. what other kind of things you were interested in it, it's like not to bring up another show but i was watching the show dave and it was a similar situation where the girlfriend was like well what are you into like what are you watching mm-hmm. when you're not with me and that's mm-hmm. kind of like where i would be like okay i don't think i would immediately suspect him of being bisexual i would just be like i just want to know what because i feel like there are all kind of things that could get someone off especially if you've been together for a long time but it's just like i don't know what you're doing when i'm not around and not that that bothers me but i just would like to know i'm just curious so i think it's more like why is this piquing your interest and that's when your mind can go into all kind of different directions Right, and that's would, why you gotta yeah, have a conversation. Like it would yeah, definitely spark a conversation, which is that problematic. Also, because I feel like when women watch lesbian porn in front of their men, it's not like that's sparking a conversation. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. But I, I think just because she's already been kind of peeping things that have like put her antennas up. Something had yeah, to but I'm saying had like, to have happened in, in the past. She said it would spark a convo. Yeah, I mean, um, I you know what? I think it could be a conversation just in terms of like, what do you like? It doesn't have to be like, are you, are you bisexual? Yeah. I think it could just be like, oh, like you chose a threesome porn with two men. Like, w- like, is that something you want to try? Yeah, just just yeah. listen. I. All right, I'm not gonna go too far into this because mm-hmm. um, you've had a threesome with two men. No, oh my god, I would oh. love to. But I, I've actually had have had a conversation with a young man about setting that up. I need to make that happen before with two I, men. Yeah, before Ooh. I before I uh, move away from California. Before I uh, throw away the lock and key uh. on my freedom. Um, Ooh. But anyways, I've seen someone. I'm trying to be vague. <laughs> I've seen someone who has a very interesting um sexual uh proclivity yes yes like just shit pops up like literally while we're having sex that i'm like oh. what the fuck is going on and like in the moment i'm just like <laughs> just so confused and i wish in those moments or like very shortly after i was more vocal because now i'm just like what the fuck so i think that it's okay to just open up the dialogue maybe even out as it was happening be like mm, oh yeah oh two men interesting you know like i don't know yeah because i think that sex is about communication yes so yeah 
I, I, I don't know. I think you just talk about that stuff because you, you should in general. And if you actually feel like, because it seems that Marie has some some questions, some suspicions or something, then that could turn into a, another type of conversation. I don't know. I was shocked to learn that Neo was also like not into it. I thought she I know. was into it. Right? Miss Free Love? But then again, she is saving herself right now. I just feel like she's she's like in a, I don't know, maybe she's just social distancing from sex, it seems. I don't know. (laughs) Like, it's it's strange. Altogether, she's like, no. Yeah. I mean. Can we talk about Nia's style? She's always in a flowy something. So Nia, she is like our yoga queen. She's all about her chakras and all about really kind of the space. But then as we see her, it was an interesting episode when she goes to her first like go see audition and just her idea of what it means to get back into acting. I had her in this blue A-line kind of dress because it was like, oh, I'm getting dressed Mm -hmm. up to go to this it was very different than her usual style, which is much more colorful and flowy and bohemian. And to put her in that, she wanted to prepare for this kind of space. And so for her, just like all of her, the one thing I wish I would have used on her, I will say, is um, just a lot more um, waist beads during her Mm. yoga. Mm. That was one thing, but it was like kind of, problematic for sound i will say (laughs) like um but that's the one thing and she's also west indian and trying to bring that in so just thinking about how she her her energy kind of changes a lot throughout the season because she's also trying to figure out you know who's after me which has to be a lot more like a, a different kind of palette than who you are and versus who you are trying to project on you know whatever audition you are doing and I have a lot of friends who are actors and I look at their wardrobe and it's all over the place because it's like well if I got to go in for this or read for that and that's kind of like what you kind of get a little bit with Nia but you see in her home that she you know is all about planting and gardening and having like she's probably that girl that goes to the farmer's market she's she's that woman and that's why you see her go for like a tristan type like he seems like it except for he doesn't have this phone which is totally catching her off guard but just overall her style i think one of my favorite things i put her in was this like aussie duro wrap like top that when um tristan comes over because it was just like very much her kind of like aura of a person and just thinking about how it moved and how she looked in it on camera. So you'll kind of see kind of like how she kind of negotiates actor Nia versus yoga teacher Nia versus I'm at home kind of throughout the season. So there's a few different kind of like identities that she's balancing between. But I think that that's most everyone on the show, aside maybe a little bit from Hattie, who's a little bit more consistent but I think all of them are kind of balancing between between who they are and who they're projecting to be. Yeah, the public mm. and the private. That's a good point. Hattie's just like always who she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you see, like you'll see throughout, she, she does kind of switch it up and we see that influence of Ida when she gets the jacket and they go to the screening because Ida's, I mean, Ida's trying to dress her up and you see her kind of like 
kind of lose a little bit of like the t-shirt she goes in and in a little bit more of a dress form not dress like as in a physical dress but just a little bit more polished mm-hmm. than, than what you've seen her yeah you know something i was talking to a friend about recently they were saying what they love about lena Waite's style is that while she is like she veers towards like mask presenting androgynous like she still has lots of like feminine touches she'll wear makeup she she embraces like femininity and softness um and i wondered if you feel like you bring some of that to hattie in any way because i remember in like the, the earlier episode when she was like posing for her um id photo she was definitely trying to be like mad cute she was like poking her booty out and just doing things that one would think are like s- super feminine um and if you find that you're kind of balancing some of the the fem feminine and masculine in her style in any way for sure. I feel like she still is a woman and she still identifies as a woman. And I think it was so interesting in that episode when the golf cars go by and they were like, she, they, are we, mm-hmm. where are we? Uh-huh. Um, and just kind of thinking about how she, even within her like kind of like cohort circle within the girls at the office like you don't really see her having male friends she still identifies as being a home girl and Mm -hmm. as being that um and that's one of the things that i really kind of love about hattie is that she still has those that girlfriend that girl kind of code relationship with them so you see that like in even the way she dresses she's definitely um has a lot of feminine touches but it's not her style to me isn't super androgynous Mm -hmm. it can be but it's it's a balance in a way i feel like we live in a world now where it it really kind of just depends on kind of your energy and how you project i think with her having short hair you know people internalize things differently so but i think that overall i feel like she's still pretty um feminine in a way yeah i think i agree for sure um wow oh sorry glenn what were you gonna say i was just gonna ask just about like you working on this project and what excited you about it and what do you think is like, really important about it yeah and how you got involved all of the above <laughs> uh so i'll tell my brief but short story uh but long story i mean um so like maybe this was like five years ago. I was at Essence Black Woman in Hollywood. I had met Lena there, or maybe I had met her before, I'm not sure. And I had seen 20s, the, um, the trailer, it wasn't a trailer, it was like a pilot presentation on YouTube that Justin Simeon at the time had shot. And I was being like, oh my God, I really wanna do this. I'm not sure how I found out her about her work prior to that, but I had been following her work. And I met her and said, oh, I really wanna do the show when it becomes a show. And like some other things happened in between these years go by the show gets picked up it was at tbs at the time they were doing the pilot so i didn't design the pilot um i was working on something else at the time and i was like well if it gets to series let me know and so i got to series and um got to do it and i was extremely excited um wow. susan fails hill was our showrunner shout out to her she's amazing and um Michelle Lawler was our cinematographer, also amazing woman. So it was, so when we talk about diversity and inclusion, I feel like I am just so 
happy to be in a space working in not only entertainment but in the film industry and to be working amongst women a lot of the times largely um, the show is created by a woman it's ran by a woman it's shot by a woman um, the first uh, the second two episodes are directed by a woman so just for me i was excited to kind of be embraced by this family and I had worked with a lot of these people before too, the production designer who's also a woman, um, Sammy. So for me, it, it was, we had an amazing time also behind the scenes of making this. Yeah, so, I remember um, seeing your stories and y'all would have like dress code themes every day. Yes, we had themes. That's like so the fun. cast was like, wait, why are we? And I was like, well, y'all are in costumes, so you can't really participate. Ah. But I mean, we had days where I was like, okay, we're gonna dress like Hattie or we're gonna dress like, um marie we're gonna dress like nia and i think for me um you know i'm hoping and looking forward to quarantine being over and figuring out you know what's what's next for the show and what's next for the series because there's still a lot more storytelling that i want to do as a designer um especially seeing just the amazing um kind of response that it's had it's just been really incredible to see people really enjoy the show and also see something that's very different than what we've seen before. I think a lot of people will naturally compare it to other things because we're working with contemporary kind of like life in LA. But I think that having a queer female character at the center and also these relationships and work are a lot different than what we have seen in the past and just um the writing is just really superb so just thinking about what's next and kind of the different kind of avenues um and journeys that these characters can go on are really exciting and also inspiring because 20s for me um was something that i was excited to buy in my 20s so it's like great to know that um, there's something out here that I foresaw that I wanted and actually achieved. That's amazing. Congratulations. You're doing a, a fabulous job. Yeah. Thank you. We Do you have really a favorite character, show. Derica? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, I will say, dang, okay, I don't know. I really, really love Ida because I think Sophina just just in in the pilot she had so much like restraint and like she could cut you and i just <laughs> like it, it was kind of almost villainous but like so reserved and so controlled that i was mm -hmm. like man if i could just lose all my emotions i could be like her <gasps> you know i was like i'm just too sensitive and emotional so for her i, I just i love how she's just like she, just even in her delivery and her body language, I was like, she really kind of scares she me. Just, I'm not like lie. she, she just really has kind of like that energy that you know you would be scared, and she yes. has like a, a voice that has a good tone to it. So like when you, when she's speaking, you, you know you're not saying anything. You're not you, breathing. You have nothing. Yeah, you're just you're sitting there. <laughs> but I also think like there's like a part of me that like wants to be happy it wants to be that free you know that wants to be mm. that just like uninhibited I, I don't think that now i can be there's too many i, I think it also has to do with she doesn't have as many responsibilities mm -hmm. <laughs> and when you don't have that you just don't have a lot 
of other things really on your mind besides yourself. And right. not to say that's a bad thing. That just has to do with where you are and where you are in your journey. And once you kind of like start adding on things and, you know, having to like Ida, like lead a whole company. It's, it's not just about being a writer. She's leading a company. And in, in a sense, like, you know, you think about Lena and it's like she went from being a writer and actor to having Hillman Red to having mm-hmm. other enclaves of work. And now it's a different level of responsibility because these are these are people that she's responsible for. There are things. So it's just like, yeah, there are things that um, are a lot different as you tackle on and climb up that ladder that you have to kind of do. And it's not just about you anymore. And you built this and now you got to like stand on it. Yes. I have a question about like the process of your role in all of this. Is it, is it like you, you read the whole entire story or season and then you draw inspiration from that? Or is it like Lena's like telling you more about the character background? Like how do you pull these looks? How do you really get the essence of each character? So where I, so I luckily, our writer's room was basically um, open. And then by the time we started shooting, I think they were wrapping up. So I had kind of a preview of all the scripts before we started shooting. So I knew the arc of where we were going. So I was able to kind of build out. That is not typical on every show where you have that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like you're getting them like as, you know, per episode, but we were block shooting. So, um, we kind of had to have whatever we were doing ahead of time because of the shooting schedule. Um, So when I first did kind of like my lookbook mood board, I did it um, almost as an Instagram page. So I did it like as a conglomerate, like it was like all every, every single character kind of like wrapped in as you would like, if you were to look at, um, just a mood board. So you, there were images of Marie, there were images of Nia, there were images of Hattie, but it was also for me, it's all about creating the aesthetic overall, like what I, I start a lot with color palette and our color palette for the show that we were working on was a lot of um, blues and pinks because we were thinking about gender norms and also merging them by using purples and lilacs and kind of like all these different hues. So in reds, um, whites, and kind of those, there were a lot of those kind of tones that we were using. And so for me as a designer, I think compositionally a lot of the times. And so it's less about, oh, you know, this individual versus the collective together and how they look and how they kind of work and thinking about how that costume works on the body and how it's going to look scene to scene frame to frame because they're not always just in the same look in that one particular scene that scene can go that look can go from that scene to this environment to that environment and so thinking about the overall aesthetic um, that we're painting on the backdrop and thinking about what makes sense for the character and their space was really important to me. And that's why I kind of took more of a mood board approach because it was about people who are mostly in their 20s and thinking about the environments they would be in and thinking about um, how those backdrops play against skin tones and also seeing 
black people on screen and thinking about color hues that work mm. for them mostly mm -hmm. uh we like i said had an amazing dp who just did an amazing job lighting everyone very well so that to me was like a major like benefit to have someone who understood that and for me to work with the framing of what she was doing like we were talking about um nia talking to tristan and then nia in her acting class a lot of those frames i was sad because tristan played by big sean had on these amazing pants from bode in new york and you never saw them. There are plenty of times where I'm like, oh my God, we never saw that. But it made sense. It was a great intimacy in that scene. Mm. So I understood why we did not need a wider shot. We needed to be there on their face. So thinking about necklines, thinking about um, you know, how hair frames the face, how earrings, all those kind of things play into what goes on. So my approach is always, what are they doing in the scene and how do we make what, what they could be wearing either stand out or not deflect from the severity of what's happening right. in the scene. So just being really sensitive to um, what's happening in terms of action and in terms of script. And also just being really supportive of my actors and knowing what they need. I always am like, do you like having pockets? Cause like, mm -hmm. I will notice like, if someone tends to stand with their hands in their pockets, I'm like, is that a character choice? Or is that a you choice? Mm. Like, you know, how are you, how do you feel in this? How are you going to move in it? Or do you want this as something you want to work with? Like, if you are a fidgety person, are we paying attention to that? Right. There's a scene, I think, later, and I was so upset because she had on these really, uh, Marie had on these really great shoes, but the last minute, there was like a shot, and it was going to be like a shoe shot, and I, she was like, I don't want to have my toes out. I didn't get a pedicure. And I was like, what? So I had to change That's the real. shoe That's last. Real. She was like, I do not want the camera that close on my foot. So I ended up changing it. And it was like these basic shoes. Damn. But that was like, we were on location and I didn't have any other shoe near me. And I was like, oh my God. And I was just so upset because I was like, this would have been the best time Such for a fly a shoe side. Yeah, for a shoe moment. So it's always surprises like that that happen. But... Um, for the most part, you know, it's exciting because you just never know. There are things on the page and then there's direction, like direction from, you know, what's going to happen or, you know, how it's actually going to play out. And, you know, we, we had an amazing team of, a of actors and directors that just pulled everything together. Oh, so. That's so dope. I feel like I'm going to be looking more intentionally at what people are wearing in shows now. Like... Because I think they, so it subconsciously tells the story in its own way. Um, and it's, that's Yeah, dope. but there are a lot of things that I feel like change. And um, that's always one of those things where I'm like, what? I didn't know that was going to be, I, I'm very much that person. Like, what's going to be the backdrop? What are they doing? And then when I find out that it's changing, it's usually much easier to change clothing than it is to change the color of a wall. So I'm usually like the person <laughs> that has to make the change. But then right. there's continuity and I'm like, Oh, okay, so I guess we'll do this and this will be fine. But yeah, I think um, hopefully, you know, we have a season two. And yes. I think with the response of the show, um, you know, I hope that we just are able to create more and more stories and narratives to share. So, Hell yeah. and I hope we have more money. Yes. <laughs> so. Um, so, we're going to get into our next segment. Um, it's called What Would You Do? So we get listener letters in. And for our 20s series, uh, our listeners are writing in with 
advice letters related to things that are happening in the show that relate to something that's happening in their own lives. So, Shana, you got the what would you do? I sure do. So, um, don't have a name on this one, but they said, I am loving the show, but I have some questions on how Hattie is portrayed. I'm a more femme-presenting lesbian, and I feel like we need to talk about some of the toxic masculinity when it comes to more, quote-unquote, stud or AGs. Mm. Granted, Hattie is very woke in conversations, but a major fuckgirl in the dating world. I don't know how I feel about this. Maybe we will learn more about her in upcoming episodes, but I just want to present the topic and hear y'all's thoughts. Loving these recaps. Keep it up. Wow, girl. Once you see uh, episode five, you're going to be like, here she goes yeah. again. <laughs> I mean, it comes up, right? I feel like, yeah, um, Ida calls her out for being toxic. <gasps> she sure for did. For to- having toxic, toxic masculinity. masculinity. Yeah, she does. I mean, I've heard this. I've had this conversation with one of my really good friends, too. And she'll just be like, you have no idea. These girls that I mess with are the most show the most fuckboy tendencies that you could ever imagine. And it's she's like, it's so weird because she sometimes feels like we, we talk about this solidarity between women and like women looking out for women and these other women that mm. she dates will say that that's that they that they champion women but then they'll treat other women like shit in relationships so i mean yeah i feel you girl i don't know yeah y'all know what i feel <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you feel chelsea character. uh yeah she's a fuck boy I think she has potential to grow, but at this point in life, Hattie is not someone that I would have in my life. <gasps> so I don't think Hattie's a fuckboy, and I only say that because I feel as though the relationships that we've seen, like, I mean, we don't really go into the depths of the different women that she's just, like, casually sleeping with, but it seems like this is, like, a mutually understood thing. Like, yeah. we're not together like we're messing around and when it comes to her and Lorraine like they're both being toxic with one another so I don't think that it's some type of like her leading Lorraine on I think that um the way she sorry go ahead can't she tell that that girl at the coffee shop likes her oh yes yes coffee shop girl that was a little that was a little sus but that's her being afraid of commitment right or not not afraid of looking for it Say that again. That's a shout out Shiloh, who's the actress who plays. She's so She's cute. Amazing. Such a cutie. I was convinced that they were going to get together. Maybe they still will. I'm going to hold, hold out hope. Maybe, maybe they, they still will. will. But Hattie, man. Hattie. But I think it's also for Hattie, she may not be attracted to her coffee mm. shop girl um, because she's too similar to her and as ida has pointed out she's always tended to go for the unavailable so i think it's less about uh, less about a lot of things and more about her seeking out people who don't really check for her and that's why she's attracted to the game of lorraine right you know and it's, it's, it's that. And I feel like that has nothing to... I feel like that's just an overall person attractive thing. Like, I feel like a lot of people are attracted to what... They want the challenge. They mm-hmm. want what they can't have. They want what's not as easy. There could be people right there, but they, they want something else. And I think that has to do overall with, with people's egos and mindsets. Like, that means you really don't want anything. 
You right. You just want. You know. She want to play. Yeah, it's a game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. I wonder what what more will come to understand about this because yeah, definitely Ida called her out specifically for being showing traits of toxic masculinity, but. Again, yeah, I do think it comes down to her just like not being ready for that. And and maybe now in this episode, she's embracing that and understanding like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know what? I'm trying to just be in these streets. And that's about it. And that's fine. She's in her early 20s. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we cap up, cap off all of our episodes by doing by highlighting a black girl doing shit. So typically we, we would highlight like a woman in the world that's doing something really amazing. So I do want to just give a little plug that, Derica, you are definitely a black girl doing shit. The work you're doing on 20s is so amazing. And in general, um, with costume design. Um, but for this specific uh, series, we're giving the characters on the show, we're awarding them with the black girl doing shit of the episode. So we call it like the battle of the black girls doing shit and each of us will defend which black girl in this episode we think deserves some praise um who did something that was admirable or interesting or progressive or whatever so who y'all got this gets a little intense um (laughs) so i'm going with ida um Mm. i really enjoyed how she got Hattie out of her shell I kind of okay I know people are probably gonna be like this is some me too-ish type behavior but I really enjoy in a way how they have this kind of like tech um tension and banter um as long as there's consent um mm-hmm. and I just think that she is so badass but then also we saw a softer side to her but it was still in her way of being soft it's not like she got up there and was like oh i had to give away my child she was like you could tell she was sad and had emotion but like there's just so many layers to her and just um just such an interesting character so i'm giving it to her i really loved that scene and I think that there's way more to come. So I'm giving it to Ida. Ooh, you know what? I'm going to give it to Ida too, actually, because I feel like we were not sure. Like, I like that there was this shift towards her showing that she could be a mentor to Hattie. And we saw some of her vulnerability and softness and we learned more about her. We saw more layers and... Yeah, I was really thinking in the last episode that she was, like, kind of sus. But now I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to give it to her. That's so funny because I was also going to give it to Ida, but I'm not going to do it anymore because you guys (laughs) both did it. So now I don't want to do it. I'm going to give it to Marie. And the reason is because I think her, her, her personal life is is kind of not as strong right now in this moment but her professional life i think is very strong she Mm. saved that meeting Mm. it's because of her that they'll probably end up getting that client Mm. um so i'm gonna give it to marie i see that i see that i respect that yep derica who would you give like who deserves some love on this episode man i was i was i was in between Marie and Ida because like like you said I feel like <laughs> Ida Ida needed it I mean not Ida sorry um 
Marie needed it. She's definitely working hard at her job and also trying to protect her home. So I feel like, you know, sis needs a hug. She needs support. She needs us. So <laughs> I feel like, you know, Ida, she got she got her, her home. She got her, her kids, as she says, is her work. I feel like Marie is climbing and, and wants to get her work in there. So I'm, I'm here for her. I'm going to stand for her. Also, just wanted to shout out Iman Schubert. He was amazing mm. just to work with. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But also yes. just like, you know, it, it was interesting to see so her sad. light up and see chemistry between mm -hmm. the two yeah. of them. The way That's that he true. opened up the door when they were all leaving the office, I was like, it's not even your office. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, you guys all go in. I'm going to hold the door with my big, long, strong arms. Oof. Was he great. was looking And, and so shout good. out to uh, my homie James Patrick and his line Sloan and Bennett who provided some things for me for Iman because I was like, I don't know where I'm getting basketball player this size clothing from. And he's a black man who has his own design uh, boutique that's opening. So that was exciting. That's awesome. That's amazing. Wow. I'm really excited for the next episode to see where this goes. They just keep coming with fire. What is going to happen with Marie and her man? Ooh, y'all. That? This is about to get spicy. It is. Lena really killed it in terms of like just the pace. Mm -hmm. Like I love the pace. It leaves you like right where you. Yep satiated Ooh, but also wanting a little bit more it's like i want dessert i do want to see the dessert menu <laughs> <laughs> you're silly i um, will say in this like lockup, maybe maybe lena if you're listening give us maybe two episodes you know <laughs> just bless us <laughs> please i have nothing to do in here honestly i feel like the earthquake episode was foreshadowing what was going to happen with this covid quarantine Dead to ass. be honest i feel like the writers are definitely all all writers everywhere who have shows that are contemporary are going to have to write about this, this oh this yes is serious I'm, I'm really curious as to how people are going to incorporate it into their storylines because it's too good. I just, it's too good not too to. Good. Like it's, you could have several episodes dedicated. Uh, yeah, you're right. What is it? A little quarantine, real world in this bitch. Mm -hmm. Derica, how have you been handling the, the lockdown? Um, you know, I feel like I'm at peace. Actually, like I'm chilling. Like yesterday was extremely productive. I cleaned. I, I just got Instacart and all my food just came. The only thing I haven't been able to have access to is eggs. And that, I mean, honestly, it's not a big deal, but it's just more of the fact that I can't get it. Mm. Um, but it's been interesting seeing all the pop-up FaceTimes I'm getting from friends and people. But this is the one thing I'm not here for during Rona is the Rona reach out from the guys that I ain't talked to in forever. Wait, the you're Rona getting reach Rona out. reach outs? Like, Rona reach out. I'm like, what is this? Who are you? I'm over here looking for my phone. Like, where are my fucking reach outs? I, I'm confused, by, but they're not the people who live in LA. So it's more like, okay. I mean, but it's would penthouse. you meet up with some? Are people meeting up with people? Like, no, no. Are go people, on a Facetime okay. date. Okay. Yeah. I was like, are people? I don't know. I, I but, mean, I was listening to something recently, and they were talking about like, yo, 
should I let this dude come over? I mean, he don't live with anybody with a compromised immune system no. or any elders. No, <laughs> no, no. Any That's not the wave. Have a little FaceTime date. Uh, I've been seeing people are like Venmoing or cash wrapping. Uh, their dates for if they want to get like a glass or a, bot- well, a bottle oh, of wine. Oh, they could just use caviar or spicy or something. Yep. Yeah, that would be nice. Meal, Send me a bottle. Send That's a bitch nice. a meal and call me on FaceTime and we can have a little kiki. I wish. That is cute. That's actually really cute. Like that. Yeah, I feel like I'm. I'm definitely. Um, week one last week was a trial. This week I feel like I'm better prepared. I've actually picked out like clothing to wear like on a daily basis that's more comfy because like I had to go I had to dig deep I was like I don't have enough wardrobe for <laughs> lounging like I was like I'm used to going places I don't have okay. the looks to be like on my sofa like I, I Listen, don't that actually and reminds now, me shout out your Instagram because your looks and your nails you turn it out so people need to, styles, need to go see what's colors. really good <laughs> But I, I'm telling you, I haven't been prepared. I'm going to have all these roots, like, from not bleaching my hair blonde. Like, my nails already look like, I'm just worried about what I'm going to look like coming out of this. Like, I'm just very concerned. I'm not ready for the FaceTimes and stuff. That's what I'm saying. I'm not. The um, pop-ups is too much. I'm like, wait, let me <laughs> let me get it together. But definitely self-care is a priority. I'm, like, stocking up on the masks and all the regimens, certainly. But other than that, it's it's, you know... It's hard cooking every single meal, I will say. And I love cooking yeah. and I love baking. But every single day, I, I just feel like we're back in the 50s. <laughs> but I'm just cooking for myself. So I don't even know how to downsize the portions. I know. That's always so, a struggle. Yeah. Lord. Well, that reminds me. It's feeling like about cocktail hour. I'm about to make myself a drink, you know? <laughs> what time does cocktail hour really start now that we're in quarantine 9 a.m sis right? okay okay it's a steady prog- progression it's an all-day sip oh i my go gosh. to bed really early though i go to bed at like 9 40 during oh. quarantine i wake up at 6 a.m yeah i wake up because i have a lot of light i wake up with the light and then like by the time the sun sets i'm like oh i don't had a full day i mean that's a beautiful schedule for your body we might be getting into a good place you know Rise with the sun, set with the sun. True. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been another episode of Black Girls Texting. You can follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Texting. Be sure to tune in to 20s, uh, which comes on every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Um, Eastern and 9 p.m. Central. Central. Thank you, oh, sis. Derica, where can people find you? You can find me in my home. In my, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you can find me on IG at Derica Colwash. That's with one R. Yes. And um, yeah, you can find me also in my home. Maybe I'll go live while the show is on and talk about more tidbits. Oh, that'd be fun. Oh, yes, please. I said maybe. I, I did not. Ah. <laughs> Shut it down real quick. Oh my gosh. Well, that was us recapping episode five. Ain't nothing like the real thing. And make sure y'all are tuning into 20s as well. Like we said, it's getting spicy. It's getting hot. We ready for more. And mm-hmm. just let us know what you think. Send those DMs, those emails to hello at Black Girls Texting to let us know how you're feeling 
thoughts, comments, concerns, what would you do's, all the above. I know shit is popping off now because y'all are only inside. So y'all can be consuming this content. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And go check out our Instagram too because sometimes we go live. Maybe we'll go live with a show if Derica decides not to. Oh, is there a way to join in? Yes. (laughs) There is. Uh, uh Uh-oh, (laughs) y'all. You know, obviously, okay. that's why. But no, I'll, I'll be away. I'll be away. <laughs> right. She it's goes gonna be, to bed it's at 9.40. damn <laughs> bedtime. Oh, my gosh. I'm dead. Well, thank you so much for joining. And we'll be back with a new app next Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.